the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Well, welcome back as we head into our two. I am Seth Leibson. Our phone number is 602-508-0960. This is a uh, two-monologue day for you. I uh, gave you my uh, first monologue in the first hour on the Trump indictment out of Georgia and uh, spent the last hour talking about that. If you missed it, you can catch all of that discussion, including our analysis with Brett Johnson at our website, 960thepatriot.com. I had another, before the indictments came down, monologue I wanted to do. I shall do it here. We live in a confusing time, don't we? In trying to relay some of the confusion, I often go back to Martin Luther King Jr.'s Knock at Midnight sermon. There he said, quote, it is midnight in the moral order. Midnight is a time when all colors lose their distinctiveness and become merely a dirty shade of gray. All moral principles have lost their distinctions. Nothing is right or wrong. Nothing is right or wrong absolutely for modern man. It's just a matter of what the majority of the people are doing. Everybody's doing it, so it must be all right. So we have developed a generation of moral cowards. Midnight is a time when everything is relative. Midnight also causes us to feel that nothing is really right but to get by. Close quote. Confusion and confusing, confusing times we live in. The etymology of the word confusion is both interesting and on point for what I want to talk about here. The word comes from the Latin confusionum, which means disorder, and literally the act of mingling together two or more things or notions that are properly separate. Two or more things properly separate. I thought of all this as I read a CNN story yesterday headlined, A Guide to Neo-Pronouns from A-E to Z-E. That is lowercase a-e and lowercase c-e. Yes, the headline itself is confusing, one might say. Now, before we delve into the story, let us recall the importance of nouns and thus pronouns. Merriam-Webster tells us the point of the pronoun, which is, quote, a word that is used instead of a noun or noun phrase. Pronouns refer to either a noun that has already been mentioned or to a noun that does not need to be named specifically, close quote, because we already know what it's referring to. They are words used to substitute for nouns when your reader or listener already knows which noun you're referring to. Webster helps out again. When your reader or listener already knows what you're referring to. Interesting that especially when we consider the new pronouns are anything but referential to definite nouns of specific meaning. The importance of language is not to be forgotten or discounted. It is, as Aristotle teaches, what separates us as a human species from other species. Speech, Aristotle tells us, is what we use to distinguish and help others distinguish between, as he puts it, the advantageous and the harmful, the good and the bad, the dangerous and the safe, the painful and the pleasant. And it is the common understanding of words in a given language, particularly nouns or their pronouns, that make communication and thus reason and thus survival possible. As Harry Jaffa has written, this is the epistemological basis of human reason. One cannot, for example, say they've 
Matt German shepherds are Great Danes, but never dogs. Every common noun, man, dog, horse, tree, chair, house, is a universal predicated on an infinite number of possible particulars our brains can recognize without, for example, using them or seeing them. All language, all reason is constituted by and is about common nouns. Dog is a common noun or universal. Fido is a particular. In calling Fido a dog, we recognize the universal in the particular. Intelligible speech is not possible without common nouns, and every common noun is a universal. I can tell you about a dog, and without seeing it, you know what I'm talking about. Or it used to be this way, which may be exactly why we are all so very confused right now. Fuddled, one might say. So CNN gives us the following <clears throat> Quote, here are a few relatively common neo-pronouns and how to use them from the Human Rights Campaign. Note, some of these pronouns may be pronounced differently based on their user. So that's helpful. Even these new things may or can be pronounced without definiteness. They give us X-E-X-Y-R, commonly pronounced Z or Zir. As in, I asked Zir to come to the movies and Z said Yes. Z zero or Z here, commonly pronounced Z zero or Z here. The teacher graded zero paper today, and Z got an A. Z said herself that I'm her favorite neighbor, H-I-R. You have F-A-E and F-A-E-R, pronounced Faye and Fair. Faye told me that Fair, best friend, is in town this week. You have E-Y-E-M, E-I-R, commonly pronounced as I, M, and Air. So I'm taking M to the park today. A wants to... Bring air camera to capture the garden for M self. Then you have A E and A E R, pronounced A and Air. A is my best friend. Most of Air's weekday evenings are spent at my house. Try any of that in your common parlance and conversation. A is my best friend, and Air's weekdays evenings are spent at my house. How in the world are we supposed to understand any of this? And how much longer will weekday or evening or house be understood once he or man or human is no longer defined or understood? Why, in other words, do these things have definite meanings when he and human and man and she and girl and woman don't? I say this because the CNN story continues. Quote, leaf, sun, star, noun self-pronouns are neo-pronouns that use nature and other inspirations as nine excuse me that use nature and other inspirations as non-binary or genderless descriptors close quote how can you use nature as an inspiration for these new pronouns when the very meaning of nature presumes an inherent binary sexual identification from the latin natura meaning birth think neonatal units Nature is, in other words, the grounding of not just all life, but all morality, the nature of a human being. This is why old Abraham Lincoln was right and say Stephen A. Douglas was wrong. There's nothing in the nature of a black man, Lincoln argued, that should allow a white man to declare one superior over the other, not in a regime based on the recognition of nature or natural law where humans are by nature equal for their very being as human and not animal and not God. The nouns matter. This is why it is so mind-bendingly absurd for our new world to accept and say that neo-pronouns use nature as other inspirations for non-binary descriptors. There is no nature without life, and there is no life without birth, and there is no birth without nature. There is no human without that. 
or as Dr. Jaffa put it, quote, all friendship, all society, indeed all of human existence arises from the physical difference of male and female human beings. From this physical difference arises the ground and purpose of human life because it is the ground and purpose of nature. What are we doing here? What we are doing here is making not a brave new world, but rather the most confusing world possible. Jaffa put it that the common noun, the ground and basis of what we call common sense, is at once the principal ingredient of the most ordinary experience and the greatest of all miracles. It exhibits the mind detached from matter, understanding material things just because it is detached from them, which is how we know human rights are not arbitrary, for example, but universal and not based on the arbitrary, like skin color or ethnicity or human. If you think this is an exaggeration, CNN tells you it is not, by quoting a professor who says in the story, quote, other neopronouns are completely original to their user. Some may choose to select a noun to describe themselves like star or star self in place of binary pronouns like she or herself. These are called non-self pronouns. And we learn then later in the story that some humans do want to be referred to as things like leaves and stars. We even get sample sentences such as this, quote, For someone who uses the non-self pronoun leaf, it may look like, I hope Leaf knows how proud we are that Leaf is getting to know Leaf's self better. Or, Leaf arrived at the coffee shop before me. I was mortified to have been late to meet Leaf. My question is, how are we, if we don't know what a girl is or a boy and or a human, how are we supposed to know what a Leaf is? Why does Leaf get to be defined with certainty? And why can't someone who likes the shape of a star call themselves a leaf, or call a leaf a star. In other words, why maintain any definite or definition to any of these things? Interesting word that definite is in the word definition, isn't it? You may hear or read this and think all this impossibly untrue. It is not, as you may have seen the human being who thinks he's a collie as a story a few weeks ago. Did you see that, young David? I don't know how this can go on. And at the same time, have any moral authority in our arguments for freedom and equality. In his last public letter, Thomas Jefferson wrote, quote, May it be to the world that I, what I believe it will be, the signal of arousing men to burst their chains under which monkish ignorance and superstition had persuaded them to bind themselves, and to assume the blessings and security of self-government, the form which we have substituted restores the free right to the unbounded exercise of reason and freedom of opinion, all eyes now are opened or opening to the rights of man. The general spread of the light of science has already laid open to every view the palpable truth that the mass of mankind has not been born with saddles on their backs, nor a favored few booted and spurred ready to ride them legitimately by the grace of God. These are grounds of hope for others. For ourselves, let the annual return of this day, he was writing of the 4th of July, forever refresh our recollection of these rights and an undiminished devotion to them. He was making the point, too, that humans should not be treated like horses or horses humans. So we are now undoing all of this, confusing all this. And it all starts with language, which is why in the end, Ralph Waldo Emerson put it, rightly, when he said that the corruption of language is followed by the corruption of man. Confusing times, as I say, it seems to me it is our task to unconfuse, which would mean to fuse, which would mean to put things back 
together again. I'm Seth Liebson, 602-508-0960. Glass half empty, glass half full. No, it's a it's a definite direction, young David. Eight and a half is more than five. It's not arbitrary. Don't fall for this neo-pronoun business, okay? You heard about this uh, Resist the Drift uh, conference just a moment ago. It's going to be great. And as uh, you know, we're partnering with Focus on the Family Ford. It's a two-day marriage conference, August 25th, 26th. And we are giving away some uh, exclusive VIP tickets uh, for it. Uh, You and your spouse could be one of 10 lucky couples who get to attend the conference on the house, and five couples will be invited to attend our pre-conference VIP meet-and-greet reception, which I will be hosting, me, yours truly. Um, You also have the opportunity to meet speakers, Greg and Aaron Smalley, including an intimate Q&A. And VIP ticket holders also get reserved seating at the conference, obviously a workbook for the weekends for session, It'll be really impactful teaching. So for a chance to win tickets or to buy them, uh, go to 960thepatriot.com, 960thepatriot.com, and click on the event banner. I have an issue with you, young David, uh-huh. on the read that I read, oh. the, hearing my voice the on the commercial. Huh? The read that you read. Yeah, the read that I read that you scripted for me mm-hmm. with your usual eloquence. You said, as I said, people can snack on delicious appetizers. Mm -hmm. Snack on delicious appetizers. Why would you want an appetizer if there's no meal? Will there be a meal? An idea of an appetizer is to increase your appetite. Isn't it just cruel to give people an appetizer without a meal? See, but I feel like... You're engendering and initiating and catalyzing their hunger. That's what an appetizer does. Like an equalizer makes things equal or a sanitizer makes things clean. An appetizer gives you an appetite. I think in this context it's referring to the type of food and it's appetizer type food. Oh, so you want an appetizer before an appetizer. If if you want... Okay. You understand my issue here. Somewhat, yeah. I, I don't. Would you prefer? You don't know why we're doing it on air, Perhaps huh? We should call it hors d'oeuvres. <laughs> yeah, because it's the same type of food. Yeah, and look up the literal translation of hors d'oeuvre, would you? Am I going to be disgusted or something right now? No, I just I think we should know that to make sure we're not just replacing in French what we've done in English. Let me go to Don in Phoenix. Hi, Don. How are you? Hi, Seth. Good. Um. Yeah, I feel like these are confusing times with these new languages and whatnot. I feel like the uh, political establishment has established a tyranny in this country and divided us into uh, two classes. There's an obedient class and a disobedient class. And if you're part of the obedient class that embraces all this CRT and LGB and, and whatever they're demanding... I mean, you can deny elections, you can be a whistleblower, you can uh, commit riots and commit violence, and that's all fine if you're part of the obedient class. But if you're part of the disobedient class and you try any of that, they're going to destroy you. Yeah, you're really tying it back to my first mo- my first hour's monologue. Yeah, I talk about this. It's called regime or opinion hierarchy. 
The Latin is, yeah. uh, quote, licit lovi, non licit bovi. What's good for the gods is not good for the cattle, or what's permissible for Jupiter is not permissible for cows. Um, you have the gods and you have the swine. They're the gods, we're the swine. The gods can do anything they want. The swine can't do anything that the gods do. That's that's yeah, what this is about. Yeah. I, I one rule for the Greeks and one for the Romans, not one rule for Americans. Right. But I feel they demand obedience and... If you don't follow along, they'll they'll just come after you, persecute you. I mean, I'm I'm disobedient. I I never got my COVID shot. I never get, went did the mask and the and the boosters and all that. And they're kicking people out of the military and yes. out of their jobs. Yes. You know, yes, and they're mandating. So, I, there's a list of something like 99 schools. Someone sent me the other day. I got to pull it up. I think my friend, friend Steve sent it to me. There's a list of like 99 colleges or something like that, uh, all well known that are demanding that you're the that the students be vaccinated before they return to campus. Students that you know will not be affected by the very thing they're being vaccinated for. Vaccinations we are learning, which have effects that we weren't told they might have when we were forced to take them. I'm with you. I never took one either, sir. Uh, so at least we have a majority of two here, but um, or a minority of two, but a minority of two that's right is a majority as far as I'm concerned. But you're right. You're absolutely right. And um, and and this is what's so so maddening to me is that the left doesn't understand what they are doing here when they lament that we have never been more divided or when they say it feels sometimes like we're on the cusp of some kind of cold civil war or perhaps even, God forbid, a heated civil war, what would be the causes for it? It would be this very thing. It would be this kind of divisiveness between the gods and the swine. It would be this kind of divisiveness, one rule for Republicans, one rule for Democrats. It would be this kind of mandatory action and violation of sovereign and constitutional rights. That's the only thing that keeps us together, isn't it? The equality and equal distribution of due justice and due process and our Constitution. That's what keeps us together. That is what is our glue that they're pouring acetone on. Yeah, and I think it goes further. I think it's beyond Republican or Democrat and rule of law and anything else because— I mean, if you side with Trump and you're a political leader, but if you if you say, well, you know, President Trump was wrong, you know, like Mike Pence will say, no, he was wrong for doing what he did, and and you know, that puts them in the obedient class rather than well, maybe, yeah, and I and I think there's a whole, I think there's a maybe there's a there's another category of discussion to be had here, which is. You may say Donald Trump was wrong for what he did. Um, You may say he was wrong for what he said. Wrong because you disagreed with it. Wrong because you didn't agree with him. But the question is, was it criminal? And once you start criminalizing speech you don't like, I don't know where it ends. I'll tell you how it plays itself out. It plays itself out so arbitrarily and ridiculously that you start to silence people that, under the guise of whether you want to call it hate speech or wrong think, very quickly gets to look like a Stalinist regime. That's what you are. That's why George Orwell wrote his book. That's what he was writing it about. 
That's why Kurt Vonnegut wrote the short story Harrison Bergeron. That's what they were warning about. It's a very dangerous game the left is playing here, dividing Americans this way. The glue that holds us together, the constitutional glue that holds us together is the only thing that holds us together as one people under one law in one country. And they're pouring acetone all over it and then regretting that we're falling apart. Are global leaders developing solutions that promote freedom and quality of life, or are they creating problems, enforcing solutions that only benefit the elites? Midas Gold Group believes it's the latter, from draconian COVID restrictions, the decimation of small businesses, changed election laws. Midas believes your finances will be next. Under the guise of protecting you, you'll get monetary expansion, national debt, and reduced purchasing power, and their central bank digital currency will virtually eliminate your savings and purchasing privacy. The answer? Convert a portion of your savings or IRA to physical gold and silver. Precious metals are a private currency, and they've been used to store wealth throughout history. Thousands of you know and have trusted the veterans at the Midas Gold Group for years, as I have. They're fighting for your financial freedom and privacy. Call Midas Gold Group at 480-360-3000. That's 480-360-3000. Or check them out online at Midas Gold Group. MidasGoldGroup.com. Young David, um, hors d'oeuvre is a French word. Oh, yes. We're back on this now. And it's down, and it means the etymology of which, the translation of which is literally outside work. Huh? You've used the word ovur before, no question about that. That's work, right? The body of work is known as an ovur. So outside of work, food that is not part of the ordinary set of courses in a meal. That's what we should have in the read. So I sh- so It's a dish which stands on its own. It's a dish which order. stands on its own. Actually, I'm not sure how many more days we're reading that one because the contest is uh, quickly approaching its deadline. So if you're still listening, go Some food historians believe the tradition may have begun in Russia where small snacks of fish, caviar, and meats were common after long travels. Oh, that sounds fun. Or d'oeuvre. Want to do some fish, caviar, we're not and meats after the show? We're not <laughs> snacking on appetizers anymore. We're talking about hors d'oeuvres. Right, outside of work. All right, where am I going to first? John in Phoenix. Are. Hello, John. How are you, sir? Hello, Seth. Thank you for taking my call. Hey, um, I'll be brief, uh, but the first thing I want to say is you were almost lecturing young David there in the same tone that you lecture him on, and you lectured me, too, on film versus movies. I <laughs> Sometimes, sometimes you guys need a lecture. Exactly. I, I, I agree. We need to be put in our place. Sometimes, well, you just need to be wisened up. Okay, wisened up. Excellent, excellent. Hey, so your second monologue, all of your monologues truly are excellent. I, I agree with a caller who once said you should almost save them and put them in a book or something. <laughs> well, you're going to get they're, me they're in trouble. <laughs> you're very kind. You're so very your, kind. your second monologue, I wrote down two things. Yeah. The inmates are running the asylum, yep. or the emperor has no, no clothes. Right. So, but it, it's Seth, it's a it's absurd. Are are what? Are we going to look at this ten years, twenty years from now? Xi, Xi, whatever the stuff Jinping. is. Yeah, yeah. It is crazy, yeah. and and not not just us. How about other countries? Talk about yeah. Is, does does China understand what we're doing with that? Does Russia understand what we're doing with that? Of course. How weak 
course. How weak does that make us seem? Awful, awfully weak. And they understand what happens every time Joe Biden says something, too, even if we want to ignore it. You know, I often want to make a point, John, speaking of teaching. You made a really good point by bringing up the emperor without clothes or um, Hmm? what was the other one? Inmates taking over the assignment. assignment. You know, we... These are all literary references. The Emperor No Clothes is Hans Christian Andersen, and um, The Inmates Running the Asylum comes from an old short story by Edgar Allan Poe called uh, Mr. Feather and Dr. Tar. You've heard of the tar and feathering, right? Um, And it's about, you know, these psychiatrists that go to an asylum to see how wonderfully it's working, only to realize that they're being wined and dined by the people that started the revolution within the asylum, the inmates that took it over. Um, you know, we learn these literary stories, or supposedly we learn them, for a reason. This is a big issue for me, actually. Um, for a reason, because it's supposed to teach us how to live life, how to comport ourselves in society, how the world is supposed to work. There's a reason we read these stories. It's not just for enjoyment, it's for moral instruction, And you're right to go back to them because these are so deviant from that moral instruction we all so very much took for granted. And we can't do it anymore. Everything's been thrown out the window. You're absolutely right, John. Mm -hmm. I mean, Mm -hmm. why even read and teach these stories anymore? Pretty soon we're not going to be able to even cite to them anymore given the current revisionism, which is, I suppose, part and parcel of the plan anyway. It's a very Mm -hmm. good point, John. It makes me mad. (laughs) No, it does. I'm glad you brought it up. I appreciate you. Can I go on to the other point or wait till a commercial? Yeah, do it on the other side of the break. Stick with us. We'll be right back. Welcome back to the Seth Liebson Show. John in Phoenix, sir, you said you wanted to make another point. Yes, I did, Seth. Uh, Seth, um, your friend or colleague and the guy who I've li- I started listening to 30-plus uh, years ago in Los Angeles on KABC uh, when I was in territory sales uh, was is Dennis Prager. Have you heard the couple of things going on with Dennis Prager? Because it's blown me away. Well, there's always something he's interested in and, be- and interesting with him. What's no, go- no, no, what, no, 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 not on? that. What? what? Okay, what? okay, you might want, want to, if, if, if you personally are in contact with him, but... But it's pretty major. Um, the, 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 the higher powers somewhere are trying to smear him badly. Uh, I, I listened to a Charlie Kirk podcast last night, which I didn't plan on listening to, but I thought it was something with Prager. And uh, they're trying to smear Prager. Prager had part of an interview, which I think was with uh, Jordan Peterson and some other guy, a Christian. And uh, they were talking about evil. Evil versus, you know, what's, what's evil versus what's non-evil, what crosses the line? And they were talking about uh, pedophilia. And the... the, the oh, the, I know what you're talking... I know exactly what you're talking about. Yeah, this was, this was a couple months ago, but I know what you're talking about. But it's, it's, it's surfaced now. It's, so, it's resurfaced? So, okay. Yes, the animated porn thing where yeah. he said... Yeah. Dennis said it was... Yeah. Uh, you don't have to say it. I know what you're... When he, yeah, I know. And he should have said lesser evil. Yeah. And they are trying to tar and feather him to that. Yeah. Uh, uh, um, 
so that, and then the other thing I heard about was Prager U and Florida schools, and there was outrage about it yeah. last week. Did you hear about that? That too? I did That's see. Thing? Yeah, I love the outrage, right. honestly. Good. Let right, I outrage. do too. Yeah, I love it. I do too. The idea that you're going to smear, the idea, just the idea that you could smear or slander Dennis on issues of morality, on issues of human morality, is should be to most people absurd on its face. I mean, I think people really ought to check themselves a little bit before they go after one of the great moral teachers of our time who, who, who has, you know, a record of you said 30 years it's i i think he's been uh, let's see i started listening to him i can tell you i can't do the math i started listening to him in 1988 i believe um yeah i i i gotta tell you john the notion that our movement has time and energy to waste on trying to slander dennis prager for immorality it seems to me it seems to me that we're just misdirected at that point. I don't know. But we, is it our is is it our movement, Seth, or or is it some progressive in there because they want to cancel him? No, because it's both. It's it. it's a little bit of both. There are some holier than thous in 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 part of this on our side, but the other oh, side, yeah. no, they've been doing it for years. Um, I, I, you know, what was it? They called him a white nationalist here at ASU. Yes. Why? Yes. Because what was their big piece of evidence? Their big piece of evidence was that he questioned in one interview uh, that he was asked about why he can use the slur that's used against Jews, but he's not allowed to use the slur that's used against blacks in describing the slur, not in approving of it and not in using it in parlance, but in just yeah. teaching about it. That's And they said they took that to say Dennis Prager believes in using the n-word which is such an unbelievable in fact not only distortion the opposite of the teaching he used the k-word he used the k-word yeah, yeah yeah i heard him revisiting that whole thing it's just sick what they try to do to you it's i'm just, just concerned sick. Seth. i mean it, like i said and it's to your point you know, they, they could cancel. Do you know who James Lindsay is? I mean, they tried to cancel him a bit, too. Do you know who that guy is? I don't know if I do. He, he's got some really, I, lo- I love some of his stuff. Uh, Glenn Beck's into him, too. He's uh, got this thing called New Discourses, where he's like, he's just become an expert in regards to, like, communism, socialism, and okay. the origins and the, the development within the United States and okay. CRT and okay. the whole sexual sexual thing. Okay. Um and and there are enemies because he on his show he'll sometimes say groomers 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 and he'll so there's a group that's gone after him they went after Joe Rogan as you know they've yeah, gone out yeah. after Elon Musk they they were successful with Tucker Carlson they've eliminated um, uh, the guy I called you one time about what's the guy who made the oh James O'Keefe which I'm yeah. so pissed about that, too, because he did good work for yeah. the side. That's the you know what the lesson here is, though, and I think you're going to find it to be eminently true. I think I heard Adam Carolla talking about this the other day. Look at the incident that took place with this uh, artist named Neo, N-E-Y-O, who didn't back uh-huh. down. You know, he made his case against transgenderism. His publicist uh-huh. wrote an apology on his behalf. He retracted it and did his own video on Instagram. Right. He's not apologizing. You don't apologize to these these thugs, and it and the and and the tide the tide will turn, the tide will turn the moment we stop apologizing to them for stating the truth, 
and for I not agree. feeling embarrassed about the truth. Hollywood I is agree. weak on this. Neo is showing them how to fight and how to be strong. You don't apologize. They're not going to come. You start apologizing. There will be no end to how much they will torment you. And you're done. And you're dead. You don't let the inmates run the asylum. No, you do not. No, you do right. not, John. Thank you, sir. So, I Seth, it's great. It. Thank not, you very yeah, much. Yeah, you know, bless you. Bless you very much. I told uh, I told Robert he could call back, and there he is. Hi, Robert. Well, hi, Seth. Um, first of all, uh, the discussion you had with David about hors d'oeuvres, finger foods, and all that, I see the makings of another Seth Leapson commercial. Uh-huh. Uh, Maybe so. About all that. Maybe so. You know, I, it's, uh, it, it, it may be only something I'm upset about, though. I, you know, <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> oh, and then also, you know, film versus video, uh, film versus movies. Um, I'm a big film noir fan, and I don't get movie noir. I, I look at it as film noir. Yeah, but, do you go to um, film theaters? Uh, no. Okay. But I, if if I could, I probably would. Would you? But it was again. Uh, it would turn a classic as film noir or uh, noir alley on Saturday nights uh-huh. and Sunday mornings. Uh-huh. But they don't call it movie noir. Okay. Um, the the other uh, topic, and and uh, by the way, I, I uh, agree with your previous caller. I I think uh, fighting back uh, is uh, reminds me of a meme. There were two. One up above shows a lefty liberal that says, I'm offended. And down below it, it shows Tony Soprano and says, you know, I don't give a darn. Yeah. And well, he didn't use darn. Yeah, I can imagine. Right. (laughs) Yeah. And, and maybe, you know, that's the code to adapt with all this nonsense, crazy people that want to be called leaf. And God, I I just don't understand why you can call someone a leaf. If leaf is supposed to mean something, when you can't tell yeah. me that a man or a human means or a woman means something. Why, why does that now? Then it's an arbitrary definition. It's an arbitrary yeah. defi- definiteness that just makes no and, sense to me whatsoever. And, and they're nuts. Yeah. Yeah. They're nuts. Thank you, brother. I got to yeah. run. Be right back. How you think the Biden administration handling the economy with bank failures and stock market volatility and speculation of a recession, inflation? What if you could invest in a portfolio with a high fixed rate of return that's not correlated to the stock market or the Fed? Investment in a portfolio where you'll know what each monthly statement will look like with no surprises. You can turn your monthly income on or off, compound it, whatever you like. No loss of principal if you need your money back at any time. There are no fees in this secure collateralized portfolio from Y-Refi. Y-Refi is a due diligence approved firm and you can earn up to a 10.25% rate of return. That's right, a 10.25% fixed rate of return. Check them out at investyrefi.com. That's invest, the letter Y, then refy.com. Or give them a call at 888-Y-REFI-34, 888-Y-REFI-34. You can also visit them. They're headquartered here locally. Um, They encourage you to stop by. They're on Scottsdale Road in the 101. I've been there. You won't get a sales pitch. No one's going to ask you to sign anything. But when you meet with the team at Y-Refi, you'll see why I like and trust them so much. And you will, too. I didn't ask you about your political pin today, young David. We the people want McCarthy. Gene McCarthy, get clean with Gene, 1968. Yeah, get clean with 
Jean. 1968, yeah. Such an interesting election. George Wallace ran as an independent, I believe. Mm -hmm. Third-party candidate. He was originally going to run as a Democrat. Uh, And he tried running as a Democrat in 64 and 72. Did he, 76. <laughs> did he run in – he didn't run for president in 64, did he? Mm-hmm. He did? Yeah, he ran in a couple primaries. He had some surrogate to seat did candidates. Yep. Good for you. I didn't know that. Yeah, he tried to unseat Johnson. As soon as Johnson was in office, he almost started butting heads right away with uh, Governor Wallace. Yeah. He, he he became governor, what, year 62? He was elected 62, so yeah. he probably was inaugurated yeah. early 63. 63. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. yeah, that's right. Uh, so ultimately, that was obviously the Robert Kennedy assassination election. Yeah, you know what's interesting? They RFK don't know Jr. that he would have beaten. He reminds me much more of Gene McCarthy's candidacy yeah. in 68 than yeah. he does yeah. RFK's a good point. candidacy in 68. It's a very good point. It's Kennedy a, had a you know, decent shot at the nomination in 68. Yes. Gene McCarthy didn't. It's a very interesting point. Um, that's an, I'm going to think about it more. But when you said it, started saying it, it made sense to me. RFK... Junior's campaign seems a lot more like Eugene McCarthy's than his dad's for a lot of reasons. Yeah, it's it's yeah. And then, of course, it ultimately led to um, the Chicago uh, convention, about which tons of stories, books and films of uh, documentary films have been made. I'll, I'll, I'll say film with a documentary. It's a documentary. (laughs) No, you know what? I'm going to keep it clean with Gene. It's just going to be a documentary. It's not a documentary oh, film because we don't need to add words unnecessarily. A documentary will do just fine. Be right back. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com. <laughs> 